Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be here and visit Bible school and experience just a couple days of what you are getting for three weeks. It's always inspiring to me to be at Bible school. This morning, I want to look at a message that I think is probably more of a reminder for all of us than it is something new, something for me and and hopefully for you as we think about our lives and serving God. And especially this weekend, Brother Randy is sharing with you all about missions and a mission uh, spirit, a mission uh, vision. I want to just remind us of some, some things that we can do in our lives as Christians and things that we maybe have choices in, some things we don't. I've titled the message this morning, Spending Life. And I contemplated this word spending a little bit. What does it mean to you when you think about spending? The dictionary gives a couple definitions for spending. It says exhaust or wear out, like a hurricane that gradually spends itself. You know how a hurricane does. It starts out really strong, and as it spends itself, it gets weaker and weaker, and finally it's exhausted. Another definition is to consume wastefully or to squander. Like maybe somebody would say, these waters are not ours to spend. Another one is to to permit to elapse, to pass, like the night is spent. And then the fourth one is to give up or sacrifice. So probably one of the things that we think about at first blush of spending is we spend money, right? Uh, that we use that term all the time, you know, I spent money, or I'm going to spend money on this. And that's an exchange that we're all familiar with. We go to town, we pull out our wallets, and we spend money. We give money in exchange for a service or for something that we buy. And when that money leaves our fingers, it slips through our hands, and we exchange that with something, some goods or some commodity, and the money is spent. It's no longer ours. It was in our pocket. We made a choice. We pulled that money out. We spent it, and now it's gone. It's exhausted. It slips through our fingers, and it's now somewhere else, not to come back to us. And that's a little bit how life is. is we are spending life. We are living life. Life is slipping through your fingers, not to come back. Each day that you live is another day that has slipped through your fingers. You've made choices that day and how to spend that time, but it's gone. You spent that day. It's exhausted. It's not coming back to you. It's a little bit like spending money, that we make choices, we spend the day. Tomorrow we have another day, but we don't have yesterday. It's gone. It's spent. There's no rewind on time. Once it's gone, it's gone. No going back, no claiming life that we've already lived. The life we've already lived is firmly within the grip of history, and we can't get it back. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I'll read a couple of verses here, kind of in the middle of the chapter. Ephesians 5, and we'll start reading at verse 15 and read through verse 17. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. 
And as I looked at these three verses, they all tie together. In the, it talks, first of all, about walking circumspectly, not as fools, but wise. So wisdom is part of walking. Redeeming the time because the days of e- are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. There's three things here, I think, that go together. First of all, that the will of the Lord is predominant in our lives as Christians. And we walk wisely in the will of the Lord. Why? Because we need to redeem the time. Redeeming the time. This redeeming, this word here, means kind of to rescue the time because the days are evil. To rescue from loss or to improve opportunity, to use opportunity in a good way because there's evil and evil abounds. And the only way for us to really redeem the time is to look forward, right? Because how are you going to redeem time that's already spent? So this, these verses have very much of a forward look, a vision. As we look forward, we can redeem time. We look back, we really can't redeem that time except to learn from history. So if we're going to really redeem time, we're going to have a forward focus. We're going to look forward at the time that we still have yet to spend, and we're going to redeem that. We're going to rescue that. We're going to take that opportunity and make something of it that's good because there's so much evil around us. And in light of redeeming time, you as young people here have the most time to redeem of all of us sitting here. The younger you are, potentially, the more time you have to redeem, depending on what God has for you. So you have a lot in, in front of you to redeem. A lot of time that you're going to have to make choices on. You get a day, you're going to have to figure out, how will I rescue this time? How will I redeem this time as a Christian? So don't wait until your allotted time is behind you to think back and wish you would have redeemed the time, but look forward, being wise, in the will of the Lord and rescue the time that you have in front of you. Make good decisions while time is on your side. You know, the older you get, the more that balance shifts, where you have more behind you than in front of you. And as this, as this equation starts to change, you have less and less time to redeem. Redeem the time because the days are evil. As you look around you, evil is abounding. There's a lot of people around you that are spending their time in evil. Evil is abounding. And you have each day in front of you to redeem for good, to rescue it for the Lord, to use it in the will of the Lord. So in a lot of ways, evil owns our day, except for the days that the saints of God redeem for him. So there's a lot of people making choices that are evil. There's a lot of evil going on around us, and you can't help that, but you have within your power the ability to rescue the day that you spend. So rescue the day. Rescue the time that you have in front of you. Spend your life rescuing time that has been given to you to change that picture from evil to good. So Ephesians here in 15, it says, Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. This circumspectly really means to live exactly or live diligently, to live carefully, redeeming and rescuing the time for God. For the will of the Lord. We have to have that in focus before we can really rescue time. It's about God. It's about what God has for you to do. It has, it's for about what God wants you to do. You take that plan and you wisely redeem the time with that in focus. 
We can spend, live our lives, and we can make choices, but one day those choices, that time will be behind us, and there will be no going back. So you as young people have the chance of a lifetime to live a lifetime, but you only have one. And when that's done, it's done. You're not going back. But think about spending time wisely and living out the attributes of God in your life. And there's a different kind of spending that we think about. Think about spending God's love, allowing God's love and his attributes to slip through your fingers to other people on a daily basis. What happens to that love? Do you run out? No. It continues to abound. So spending God's love or living out God's love, using your time that is slowly getting away from you for God's love, God's love will multiply, not be exhausted. So that's the good thing about living our lives for God, that we can, we can live our lives, we can live in the attributes of God and never run out of God's love. It will continue to abound. It multiplies. You know, once there was a, in this town, there was this beggar that sat beside the street, and he would wish for and hope that somebody would give him something, money, whatever it was, that they would give to him so he could buy food. This beggar was a permanent fixture on the sidewalk in this town. And one day, a woman walked by on the sidewalk. And instead of walking by like everybody else, she stopped and looked at this beggar in compassion. Most people looked at this beggar with contempt, because not because they had anything against him, it's just that they had something against beggars, and so they kept on walking. But she stopped, and she walked over to the beggar, and she knelt down in front of him, and she said, Sir, are you all right? And the beggar, looking up and seeing this finely dressed woman in front of him, thought that she was mocking him, making fun of him. So he kind of growled, Leave me alone. But she didn't give up. She continued to try to talk to him. She persisted. And finally she said, come get up and go with me. I want to take you over here to this restaurant so you can warm up and get some food. And the beggar got angry. He didn't want to get up and go into this restaurant looking like he did. And he tried to resist. And there was enough resistance that this policeman down the street saw what was going on, so he came up there because he thought maybe the situation needed his help. He came up and he said, what's going on? And the lady said, well, I'm trying to get this man up. I want to take him over to the restaurant across the street, get him something to eat and let him warm up. And the policeman was kind of surprised. He said, this is old man Jack. He said, he, he's a permanent fixture here. She said, help me get him up, would you? And the beggar all this time was persisting. He looked like a beggar. And he didn't want to go into this nice restaurant and be embarrassed. But the policeman helped the lady. He got a hold of his arm and he helped pick him up instead of him persisting and continuing to resist. And between the lady and the policeman, they nudged him across the street and got him into the restaurant. Well, when they got him in the door, there was enough commotion that the manager, back in the back of the restaurant, looked out and saw this these people coming in the door. So he hustled out there to see what was going on. He was going to rescue the lady. He thought there was something wrong. And she said, no, I would like to feed him. I would like to buy him a meal. And he said, oh, no, not in my restaurant. He said, it's bad for business. And so the lady said, 
do you know such and such a business down the street? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, they have their dinners here at our banquet. She said, I'm CEO of that business. You don't want to lose your, our business, do you? She said, then feed this man. And so he quickly changed his tune and agreed to feed this man. And so they sat Jack down there at the table. And after all this commotion was over with and they were waiting on the food, then the lady turned to Jack and she, she looked him in the face and she said, Jack, do you remember me? And so Jack took a look finally at this lady. And then she said, do you remember a time years ago when a lady came into this restaurant homeless and hungry? Do you remember when she asked to do some work for food? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, you asked if you could do the dishes to have some food. And I told you it was against company policy to do that. And then the lady said, yeah, and do you remember that you gave me this big roast beef sandwich and a coffee? And then I saw you slip money from your pocket into the cash register. So the woman fed that man that day, and then she said, you need to come down to my business. I'm sure we need you somewhere in my business. And she said, I'll even pay you in advance. So this is a bold example of how God's love multiplies. When we are willing to offer ourselves in the work of God and the attributes of God, it does not get exhausted. The love of God compounds. It makes its rounds. It comes back to us. No act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. So spending God's love, as we spend our life, there's two different kinds of spending going on. As we spend our life, it's running out. But as we give ourselves to the attributes of God, it is compounded, it's multiplied, and it reaches around and continues to reach around and is never exhausted. Kindness, lived out with wisdom, will multiply. Redeeming the time, taking the opportunities to spread God's love. Rescuing time by spreading God's love to others. That's what you need to be about in the will of the Lord. Wherever he calls you, no matter what his plan is for you in life, no matter what you leave here at Bible school and go to do and spend your life, it needs to be in the will of the Lord, giving his attributes, living out his attributes to those around you so that his love can be multiplied. You know, uh, when I was... Soon after I was born, my family moved to Central America, and I spent the first six years of my life living down in Central America in the mountains, and we lived back in this village way up in the mountains. There was a church back there, and there was missionaries that worked and showed God's love to the village. Well, during this time, about the time that I was six years old, there was a lot of political unrest, and things got rough. My father was assassinated, and the church was taken out of that village. My family came home, 
the believers back there left the mountains, left that village, and the church there in that village no longer existed. About 30 years later, I went back to this village and paid a visit. And it looked like failure. All that was left of the house that we used to live in was this foundation that was sticking out of the grass with cows grazing around it. Where there used to be a church, there was nothing. So, what do we think? Did God's love fail that village? Well, in those 30 years, there was a little house across the road from where we used to live that was there that was not there when we lived there. There's a, there's a lady and her family living in this house. So I walked across the road, and I started to visit with this lady a little bit. And after we visited a while, she looked at me and she said, when are you coming back? And I've never forgot that question that she's asked me. But there's something deeper there that I've thought about since then. This lady, as far as I know, never attended the church in that village. She's an older lady now, but she was young when the church was there. She was young when there was believers back there showing the love of God to those people. But she had exposure to those missionaries. I think she even maybe helped some of those missionaries in daily life. But as far as I know, she's never been a Christian. She's probably never attended the church. She only knew these missionaries and were with them for a short time. But somewhere back there, some person showed the love of God to her. And she had this, she remembered what they did, apparently, and she wanted them to come back. Probably that person, maybe, didn't even realize that they were having an influence on this lady and what she thought about God. But she had a perception of God's people and a perception of God because somebody was willing to spend their life, part of their life, back there showing the attributes of God to the village. So maybe we don't always see the effects of the attributes that we live out, but we're making a difference if we're in the will of God and we're willing to spend our life spending God's love to others. And when we do that, I believe we are pushing back on the evil that is around us. You're doing your part. I'm doing my part if we treat each day for God. We're taking that time, that allotted time that God has given us, and we're rescuing it for God. In our spot where God has placed us, we're making a difference for him. When we do that, we push back on the evil. That's one spot. That's one day that has had God's love presented that maybe otherwise, if we had not been there, it wouldn't have happened. And so when we do that, we are also pushing back on the negativity of evil. You know, there's a lot of negative things around us. The, the world thrives on negative things. You look in the news, you look at anything that people are talking about, it doesn't 
this isn't hard to find negative things being talked about. It's attractive to people to talk about negative things, to be negative. The news is filled with it. The weather. We like to talk about bad weather better than we like to talk about good weather. For us as Christians, we need to focus on positive things, things that are positive, because we have a positive message to present, and so the messengers should be positive. You know, it, it creeps in to our Anabaptist churches. It creeps into our relationships. The negative things in life take our focus. You know, there was once a professor who entered into his classroom kind of unexpectedly, and he told his students, he said, clear your desk, I have an unexpected test I want you to take. And so they were kind of taken off guard, so they sat anxiously in their seats while their professor handed out these sheets face down on their desk. And after everybody had their test laying face down, he said, now you can turn them over and do the test. And I'm going to show you what this test looked like. Tim's going to put it up here on the screen. This was the test that these students had. Of course, they were bewildered and surprised because they had a test with no questions. Then the professor said, I want you to write what you see on your test. So all these students studied their test, and then they started writing. And after everybody had wrote their answers, filled out their tests, he collected all the papers. And he took these tests up front in front of the class, and he read off the answers to every test. And every person answered that test describing the black dot in the center of the paper. But nobody in the room talked about the white paper. They all described the black dot, where it was placed on the paper. They tried to think of ways to describe this black dot. And then the professor said, well, I'm not going to grade you on this test. I just wanted you to do this test to, for you to think about. In life, too often, we have these things in front of us in life, and we focus on the black dot. We focus on negative things when we have so much white paper to develop around us. We have so much good that we can develop, but our focus goes to the black dot, and we stay there on this black dot. We revolve around the negative things in our life. We study them. We evaluate them. We take time to discuss these black dots, and all this time, the white paper is going to waste. We spend our energy contemplating dark black dots, the negative things, instead of taking gift, the gift of life and spending our time filling in the white paper with good things. Now, we will have to deal with negative things in, in our life. That's life, right? There will be negative things. But we can deal with negative things like the black dot in a positive way. There's a positive message that we need to put forward in our life, in our focus. And as we deal with the black dots in our life, let's do it in a positive, redemptive way. Because remember, today, as you focus on something negative, maybe there is something negative you need to deal with, remember that when you get done with this day, however you have made choices around that negative thing, is forever in your history, and you can't go back. And so take a positive look 
at the negative things in your life. Don't spend your energy. Don't define who you are as a Christian revolving around the black dots in your life. We all can find negative things in our life. That's not a problem. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see negative things in our life. It's easy. But it takes a man, it takes a person with wisdom to be able to take those negative things and turn them into positive things for God. Life is a special gift. We have a limited amount of time. Spend it objectively. Spend it in a positive way. Don't let those dark spots claim you and make you into a person that is known as a negative person. The message of Jesus is positive. Remember that. And the messengers need to be positive as well. And this, inc- this includes encouraging others to be positive. Be a positive encouragement to those around you, those peers that are looking to you for influence, those peers that have chosen you for a friend. Be a positive influence on their lives. You know, once there was a king, and he was a good king, but this king only had one leg and one eye. But he was a very skilled and intelligent man, and he was very generous with his people. So the people in his kingdom really liked him. He was a popular king, but he was not beautiful because he was missing an eye, and he was missing one leg. And one day this king was walking down the hall of his palace, and he noticed, he took notice of all the portraits of former kings in his family who had passed, who had ruled and passed on. And their legacy was painted on the wall in this hall. And he thought about his children. He thought about generations to come. And he said, you know, I would like for my picture, my portrait, to be on the wall of this palace hall so that my children can remember me. He had never had his portrait painted, and, you know, nobody had come to him and suggested it. You know why? Because he wasn't beautiful. He had a missing eye and a missing leg. And everybody was, con- or maybe not everybody, but the people who had thought about a portrait were concerned about how we could take this man with these, this deformed, his deformed body and make him look good on the wall of the palace. But the king decided, I do want a portrait of myself on the wall. So he called the painters together and he said, look, I want a painting of myself on the wall. I'm going to give all of you a chance to, to, to do a painting of me and I will reward you according to the quality of your painting. And as the painter sat there and listened, all of them started to panic because they looked at the king and they thought about a beautiful painting and they just couldn't put it together. And they were worried that if they tried to paint a painting and it didn't turn out good, the king would be angry at them. And so slowly, all the painters started to decline. Said, no, we're not not going to. And there was only one young painter in that group that said, I will paint a picture. So the other painters looked and wondered, how will this young painter do this? So this young painter, he sat down, and first of all, he sketched a drawing of the king. And then he slowly filled that drawing in with paint. And he painted that picture. He got it all done, and he said, okay, I'm ready to uncover 
this painting. And in the court of the king, the painters all sitting here in a group, and the king's court was here, and they were all anxiously waiting for him to peel back the cover on this painting to see what had this young painter done with this king who was missing a leg and missing an eye. As, they, as he uncovered that portrait, everybody was stunned at what this young painter had done in a painting for the king. He painted the king sitting on a horse, and it was taken from the side of the horse with his good leg, his only leg, showing on that side of the horse. And the king had his bow drawn with one eye closed, and he was shooting something sitting on his horse. It was a beautiful painting. The king was delighted with his painting, and he rewarded this painter generously for doing this for him. Spend your life encouraging the talents and strength of other people. This painter was able to see in this king a way to make him look beautiful in spite of his, the flaws that he couldn't help. We need to do that as Christians. As you spend your life Look for ways to bring out the talents and the abilities of other people. Do we all have our flaws? Are we all missing an eye or a leg, figuratively speaking? I think so. But there's talents, there's good things in every person. Can you live your life, spend your time drawing those out and making them beautiful? Be willing to sacrifice for others' success. You know, sacrificial living will help us to stay objective in redeeming the time. Will help us to stay focused on why God has us here and what the will of the Lord is. Redeeming the time as we sacrifice for others to help others be successful. It takes the focus off of ourselves. It helps us to take the focus off of the black spots in our lives. And it makes something productive in other people's lives. And it will make our life productive as well. Be a team player in your church, in your community, wherever God calls you. We have the greatest calling the world has ever known. Let's be a team player. Let's work together. Let's draw out the strengths of others so that God's kingdom can be moved forward in a positive way. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I want to close with the focus on these verses and how much we as saints have things in common. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one. We're all together as one. And if we can work together, our strengths will be magnified for God. If we all try to do things separately, we won't succeed. We have so much in common. We have so much to do together. 
And so I want to challenge you to walk your life, spend your life for God with others. Build relationships with others with the same focus. Live humbly and patiently work together, rescuing the time because so much evil is being presented in the world. The kingdom of God needs you. It needs us together, redeeming the time, rescuing the time, and bringing others into this kind of situation where they can experience the love of God and his attributes. May God bless each one of you today. And as you finish out your time in Bible school, I want to wish all of you the best.